Welcome to the Waste Not What Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews and tips to rebuild our relationship with nature, thereby revitalizing our natural resources by minimizing waste and maximizing human potential. You can find the show notes and lots more at philippaross.com. Hello, Wastebusters. Welcome to episode two. Today's focus is on fabrics and clothing, but before I introduce my guest, I just have to share some news about a fantabulous pair of sneakers I recently bought from an eco-conscious Brazilian company called Cariuma. The um, rubber soles are um, made from a native tree. The memory foam insole is made from cork and organic mamona oil. And the actual canvas itself is certified cotton, meaning that it's grown without pesticides or harmful chemicals. The lining, laces, threads and labels are all made from recycled plastic bottles. The actual boxes they come in are made of recyclable materials, so you can either repurpose it when you get them or put the box on the compost. The company have actually set up a reforestation program, so for every pair that's bought, they plant two trees in the Brazilian rainforest. They are incredibly stylish looking sneakers and what's more, they're very, very comfortable. Each week I'm going to share some tips on ways to minimise waste. So as today's all about material, here's a few ideas on how to repurpose and preserve fabrics. Christmas is just around the corner, so I'm suggesting you adopt the Japanese style of gift wrapping called furushiki, which uses material to save on all that wrapping paper. There's heaps of videos on YouTube to give you some ideas. To preserve clothes and keep moths at bay, wrap a handful of wood chips in a small piece of cloth, obviously tying it up. And if you want to add a fragrance, douse it with one of your favorite essential oils, then just hang it in your wardrobe. And for the hot summer days here in New Zealand, um, the need to remove perspiration um, stains is utmost. And so all you have to do is to soak the item in a litre of water with four tablespoons of salt. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Now on to today's guest, Jules Smith. Jules is a multifaceted woman whose personal philosophy focuses on treading gently on the earth and integrating what she calls the beautiful circle which is all about weaving the principles of a circular economy into everything she does. Both attributes undoubtedly helped her win the Best Emerging Business in the Northland Business Excellence Awards in 2013, which is where I first met her eight years ago. Today, though, Jules has rekindled her love of fabrics, creating a business called Again, that repurposes saved clothing and textiles to give them a new lease of life. So, without further ado, let's dive into the interview. Welcome to the show, Jules. Um, It's really lovely to have you. And first of all, I want to thank you for jumping in and volunteering. As I said in the introduction, Jules and I met about eight years ago, and um, she's kind of remained in the background, but it's always the same when you meet like-minded people that you come together in in later years. And so I just want to give you a bit of... um, allow Jules to give you a bit of a background as to the philosophy behind um, her business Washbile that won the best emerging um, business with the Northland Business Awards and um, and we'll take it from there as to where her story has gone. Jules over to you. 
Right, wash bar. So we no longer have wash bar. We sold it three years ago. So um, this is what the philosophy was. And I know that the um, people who did buy it, which were, um, which who are um, in New Zealand, they're in Wellington, have continued on with pretty much the same philosophy. So for us, it was about treading gently on the earth. It was about producing beautiful products that um, had what we used to call the beautiful circle. So it's now called the circular economy and it probably was then, but I didn't know that. And I, so I called it the beautiful circle. And that is about what you, about caring where your ingredients come from, about caring about what those ingredients do. So um, for instance, um, you know, we purchased, um, our, our Manuka oil, it's pure essential oil, um, from um, up at the East Coast. Now, that was some of the best quality, but it also was in a quite a remote area and created uh, employment, really good quality employment for people up in the area. Um, and, you know, we we purchased um, some other ingredients from, from Australia and they allowed Indigenous people to stay on their land. So that's kind of the social side of it. But we also wanted to know that uh, they weren't using pesticides. And so we wanted them to be really good quality and doing good for the earth and doing good for the people. And then it was about producing a product that worked worked really well on um, people's pets. So wash bar was, is um, a, a natural product for pets. So it's all about um, keeping them clean and flea free. Try and say that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and making sure that you don't poison them in, in the process. So yeah, so, and oh, and then our uh, packaging, it, so our soaps, which were the our number, I've got about hero product. They were originally they were naked in their box, uh, and then ultimately when we started to export, we put them in little cardboard boxes. And it, we used to say, you know, a liter of shampoo in a in a cardboard box, and that was, you know, after you've finished your um, taking your soap out of its box, you can put that into the compost. And all of our containers were you know, either glass, which could be recycled, or they were um, plastic, one or two. A lot of places use plastic that uh, isn't recyclable. Uh, one and two are your um, most easily recycled products, but we tried wherever we possible to not use plastic. So where did that philosophy come from? Yeah, um, I've always been, uh, been aware of waste and the damage that it does to to our planet I guess I've always been a little bit mindful um, my parents were um, you know hippies in the 60s and um, you know we always at home we always composted and they were always a little bit alternative so I guess I always grew up with that um, and later on in life so for instance when I went to university I was poor like most people <laughs> to go to university so I uh, shopped at um, charity shops. So I learned to sort of, you know, find good bargains and, you know, good, good quality clothes and discovered that actually sometimes you can buy brand new stuff at charity shops. People, you know, 
they buy stuff and it's the wrong size and they give it to their local charity shop. Fashion is very kind of, um, particularly with the teenagers, you know, it's in one week and gone the next and it's so very disposable. So that's probably a really good leading to where you are now. <laughs> um, again, is... Um, is, is a, um, a, a business, although my husband calls it a social enterprise. <laughs> I think that doesn't make money. Uh, where I, years ago, um, I discovered that um, I, used to, I used to do a lot of quilting. Right. And um, when, you're, when you quilt, you go out and you buy, you, you decide what fabric, you, you decide what, what you're going to do, and you go out and you buy a whole lot of fabric. Right. And. I went to a symposium, which is where a whole bunch of quilting people go, about 2,000 2, of them every couple of years, although not during COVID times. And they get together and they have tutors and people who do speaking and they, um, you know, we all learn about um, different things about quilting. And there was a guy there, very unusual, not many men do quilt. And um, so I went along to one of his talks an American guy, and he produces these incredible quilts that are made from secondhand fabrics and clothes. In America, textile waste is so bad that they have big bags, badges. Uh, you know, you think about um, a badges uh, wool bale, and right. they have them stuffed full of clothes and fabric and sometimes it's in color order and sometimes it's not and he would buy those for next to nothing and turn them into these incredible quilts beautiful um, art quilts so it when you looked at the quilt it looked like somebody was laying on the quilt with their legs down over the side and um, it occurred to me that Whilst I always was very careful about using cotton so that, you know, I mean, all my waste used to go into the um, compost, um, I was buying brand new fabric every time I made a quilt. So I started to look at what alternatives there were. So the very first quilt that I ever did that wasn't made from brand new fabric was made from uh, old uh, business shirts, men's business shirts. Uh, and I later learned that they are one of the things that are, are very hard for charity shops to sell amongst one of the many things because, you know, not many men really would wear that go to charity shops wear business yeah. suits. Uh, shirts. Yeah. Um, that is a big generalisation, but, yeah, tends to, um, uh, tends to be true. So, yeah, so I made this beautiful quilt out of, shirts and really it's kind of hard to tell that it's not brand new fabric and it uh, I quite like that idea of um, being in the confines of something so I like entering competitions where they say it must be a particular size and a particular color and um, you know a, a, a particular subject and it really makes you think outside the square in order to try and create something so I, I quite like the idea of that so anyway long story I um, I decided that I really needed to start thinking about uh, what we could do with um, all of this textile waste that goes to landfill. So put that into context, uh, 100,000 tonnes, which is 100 million kilos of textile waste goes to landfill in New Zealand. So forget yeah. about the rest of the world, in New Zealand. Now, um, that's made up of a whole bunch of stuff. So dead stock is um is is a, is a biggie 
uh, dead stock is what uh, fast fashion produces. So uh, it used to be that you had two seasons in fashion. You had summer and you had winter. So you got to the end of summer and yep. the winter clothes started to come in and the summer clothes went on sale and they sold through. Now it's every, it's not even four seasons because they then did the four seasons. It's just how, how can they get your attention with yet another product coming in? And once that product has sold through and another one's coming in, all of that excess stock that they didn't sell needs to go somewhere. Now, they don't, they're not going to um, give it to, um, you know, they're not going to try and um, change it up or do something else with it. It either goes to the tip or it goes to a charity shop and they have no idea what to do with these things. Wow. And inevitably, they send it to the tip. So over the years, I've I've got um, a number of end of line um, of, of dead stock dresses, and um, yeah, and I pull them apart and do all kinds of uh, wondrous things with them, turn them into coats and um, linings and coats and all kinds of stuff. Dress it, re, 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 um, You cannot sell them as they are because oh, okay. there's a license. Yeah, it's yeah. So you've got to completely rework them, um, and then kind of the next, I think, in terms of the tonnage that goes to landfill would be left left leftover textile waste. So in New Zealand, not such a big problem because we don't really have a have big production houses here. Um, you know, that's gone overseas to China and Vietnam and Bangladesh and all those great places that uh, really look after their people and pay them well <laughs> sarcastically yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes yes so yeah um so but we do still have things like you know um, any anything that you get reupholstered it's going to have fabric and um and all the stuff that's come out of it is all going to go to waste and then probably one of the biggest um contributors to the textile waste that goes to uh into landfill is our charity stores now, that sounds kind of um, counterintuitive because you think you're giving your fabulous clothes that you no longer want. I don't want people to not do that anymore, but our generosity is overwhelming charity stores. Right. Um, here in Whangarei, uh, we really only have two charity stores that are taking clothes at the moment because during COVID, um, when we were locked down, we went through our, our, our um, wardrobes and we did a clean out. <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah our charity shops were yeah, overwhelmed yeah yes yes now I was talking to somebody the other day who was saying well you know I only give my good stuff to the charity shop which is honestly some people give disgusting things to charity shops um you know they give stuff that's pilled and ripped and old and really it it isn't saleable mm -hmm. uh, something else needs to happen to it and they said to me well what do we do with it yeah and uh I mean for me I use I use anything like that to um to stuff poofs so I make these big um poofs that you can just lounge around on I make them out of old jeans or old ties old business ties and um, I stuff old stuff in there. That's not really, it's all my scraps. So nothing goes to landfill. Everything goes into the bin, except those little buttons, you know, on jeans, which have been banged through and you can't do anything with them. So, yeah. What they, would they, the they ordinary Joe blogs do with um, uh, 
um, fashion wear that is no good for anybody else if they're not into sewing like yourself? Look, I, I don't know. I really don't know. And the only thing that I would say is that it's about being mindful. So go back to the beginning. Yep. And it, when you're purchasing a, um, an item of clothing, think about it in a couple of ways. One, if, it, if, you, if, if it's so cheap, the chances are that it was made by a, um, either a child or a person who is working in obscenely horrible conditions. Yep. And ask yourself, is, is, that, is that worth um, the, the cheap price I'm paying? You know, I think about, I went into Kmart recently and you can buy a bag of, you know, four or five pairs of underpants for under $10. You know, just think about how the fabric was made, leave alone the, the, the work to put them together and the fact that they had to come from the other side of the world. Yes. Really, the, the, the cost of those to the, the people who were making them was probably less than 50 cents. So, you know, you've just got to think about that as well. But then think about the fibers that you use. So years ago, um, I lined, we had a, um, a, a hedge in one of the properties that, I, um, that, we, that we had, and we planted all these trees along this sort of hedge line. And um, my mother worked for a corporate who produced these T-shirts that when the, um, one of the management had a look at them, they said, you can't possibly sell those you can't possibly let those out into the world because they're racist and everyone kind of stood back at that point looked at them and went oh actually you're right <laughs> so they were told that they had to go to landfill so what I did is they were cotton I laid them out on the ground and they became um, a la that layer between the dirt and the mulch so you know, like your old jeans, as long as they've got a high cotton content, many of them don't, um, you can put them into your compost, yeah. um, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, if you're going to buy polyester clothes, which is plastic clothes, then you can't do anything with them. They mm. can only go to landfill, just mm. like plastic. You know, most of the plastic that we produce goes to landfill because it can't be recycled. So really it's about being mindful. Excellent. So um, in all your, um, with all your skills and things, um, going back to what your husband calls you, you're in a social on, um, on entrepreneur now. What, what are you, do, what are you actually doing? <laughs> so I take, um, I take old fabric, which um, fabric, um, clothes, um, particularly those things which are difficult for charity short stores to sell. So things like um, jeans, you know, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, I'm shamefully, I probably have about five pairs in my wardrobe. Uh, I think most of us do. And then a lot of us, you know, don't know what to do with them. And you end up some, um, mostly a huge amount of jeans at charity stores and they cannot sell them. Uh, they can sell some of them, but not the amount that they get. Um, ties. So business ties, you know, not many people need to wear them now. Mm -hmm. um, men's business suits uh, again you know unless you're going to a funeral or a wedding or something like that and even then you know you don't necessarily wear them and I turn I, I repurpose them so I give them another life so um, jeans I might turn those into a big poof that you can have on the um, floor which you can sit in and I stuff it full of you know unwanted stuff and and cutoffs 
Um, I make them into bags. So I do weekend bags, um, aprons, that kind of thing. Um, the ties, I've turned those into poofs and I've done other things, but I'm kind of working on a, a project at the moment, which um, is there's a bunch of silk ties and I keep looking at them and I get very excited about fabric and I keep yeah. looking at them. They're so beautiful and they feel so nice. I must be able to do something else. I've got a couple of um, projects with that. Um, old business uh, suit jackets. Mm. Uh, I've turned those into messenger bags. And um, I've reworked some of the, um, the, the jackets and maybe turned them into like a short one, you know, like a, a bolero jacket. Nice. So, you know, yeah, yeah. So I've done some, done some fun things with them. Um, so yeah, um, I, I, like I say, I try and do things with those, with those items that are difficult for charity stores to sell. But I also, um, I also have a bit of an obsession with blankets, woolen blankets. And, um, I guess it's that thing that we were, uh, in, in years gone by, New Zealand did make some incredible blankets. You know, we, we, we made, you know, we've got some great brands and, um, and like Kaya Poi that, you know, there was all, they used to supply all the blankets to, um, to, to um, hotels and what have you. I mean, now we, we sleep under duvets and yeah. ducks uh, supplying their feathers for that. But anyway, that's another conversation. So, you know, I turn those into uh, coats. So beautiful kind of 50s inspired coats. So those very flowing uh, big coats. And it's, I don't know, I, I think it's so nice to be uh, warm and comfy and wrapped in a blanket. But at the same time, it's stylish and comfortable. And yeah, so I do that with them. And then ones which... Uh, potentially don't have enough for a um, a beautiful big coat or a, a beautiful big jacket. I'll turn those into weekend bags or yeah. I mean, I I just love them. <laughs> so where so um where's the outlet for all this stuff? If somebody comes to me via my Facebook page, so if they go to um dub 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 um again dot nz that'll take them to my facebook uh, facebook page and um if they message me about whatever you know if they're particularly interested in anything then um they can buy it direct from me um i sell through upcycled af which is a store in uh Whangarei, which is exactly what it sounds like there's a whole bunch of upcycled stuff in there so every month they change it over so each month you've got to make new stuff for it because they won't accept the old stuff that was there so you know nice to have a community yeah. of like-minded yeah. people mm, nice. yeah yeah I have to say um Whangarei is is really supportive in that area we do have some um some pretty incredible people who make some amazing stuff here um, and then I, I do sell a few things up in a, a store in Kaitaia. Um, so, yeah, I've got a few things, a few places that uh, I sell. Um, and, yeah, like I say, people, people will come to me um, wanting stuff that they've seen on my Facebook page or wanting something in particular. Or they might have a blanket that they want turned into a um, coat, and I can do that as well. But, you know, I do also have a, a, a day job well, a part-time day job where um, I work in waste minimization. So yeah, I only do this part-time. 
awesome awesome so is that for like a, a company so you can help them cut down on the waste that they're producing yes yeah very much so so um it's yeah it's about looking at uh how how purchasing is made it's that whole kind of circular thing which yep. i had with wash bar which was very much looking at um like we talked about you know ingredients and um looking at so you might you might have a compostable cup you might choose not to have plastic cups but you put you're now purchasing compostable cups how does that then go to compost how mm-hmm. does that get collected and then actually get composted because I think we we all need to remember that anything that is compostable or, or organic when it goes to the landfill it produces methane and anybody who's been listening to COP26 the yep. big talk fest which we've all endured recently um they would talk a lot about um, methane and how we all need to reduce it well you know I think sometimes we all think gosh that you know it's just too big we can't deal with any of this but there's lots of stuff that we can do personally which does make a difference so you know being more mindful when you're purchasing clothes uh, being more mindful when you when you when they eventually reach the end of end of the life for you um and you know choosing to compost them or doing doing something else with them repurposing them etc yeah so i think you know going back right to the beginning this circular economy as it is now called it's kind of a trendy word as such <laughs> it's looking well it's just like nature i mean and for me this is this is the whole point of, of the podcast it's really looking at the life cycle of something and how it how it comes into creation and the journey it goes through and then what happens when it dies basically and how it feeds um, the next stage. Um, And so I think that's a really, really important thing to, to bear in mind here. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I know, um, you know, one of the things that, um, that I've really struggled with, and it's kind of off topic in terms of the, in the sense of what I do, I'm very much about textiles and fabrics, but um, in um, in one of my last jobs that where I did very much in waste management, um, we looked at um, these compostable packaging uh, that um, you know people people use, and it's there are some that are so difficult to uh, to compost. So, for instance, uh, sugarcane, very very difficult to compost. You need to shred it up into little bits to get it to compost. But the other thing you've got to remember is that cane left the property that it was on, went all the way across to be um, manufactured, and then would have gone across to China and then come all the way back. So yes, you've got something that's compostable, but it is difficult to compost, and it should have stayed where it was and be turned into compost that went back on the um, on 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 the on the land because. The, they're now saying that in 50 years, we're going to lose all our topsoil. What the heck are we going to do, do then? We're already, you know, concerned about how we're going to feed the world, yeah. food security. Yeah. If we lose all our topsoil, we'll have no way of producing food. So it's just about that being really mindful about, you know, uh, but not getting too bogged down with it. Just trying to do a few things that that make a difference. Yeah, and I think um, we were talking um, pre the interview that, 
um, the important thing is that, you know, you talked about your journey through and it's not suddenly, you know, where people can hear something and we pick up tips and things like that. It's a process that we go through depending on whatever stage we're at, whether we, we've got small children or whatever. I mean, you can be mindful there buying wooden toys instead of plastic toys that are only going to last six months or within a certain age range or whatever. And that, to me, that's one of the, the really, really important things is to give to people. Okay, so here's some tips, bear it in mind and adjust it to your lifestyle. Don't, none of us can change the world single-handedly, but collectively we can all be doing something and to feel good about it. And suddenly, I mean, I'm looking now like 15 years down the line to when I really started thinking deeply about it. And it was like, I've made a huge amount of changes and I don't even notice them now. They're like second nature. And it's like every so often I think, okay, so what else can I do? And this is the part of the reason I started the podcast. It's like, and you were talking about topsoils and I was doing some research last night and there's an organization in New Zealand called Calm the Farm, which is all about regenerative farming and supporting people to actually do that. So I'll be talking to them. So there's a huge amount of different industries um, and depending where we are, um, what age and stage of life that we are, we can get tips from everybody sort of thing. So um, fantastic way to finish things off. I've got a few quick fire questions for you. Um, yes. Do you have um, a favorite book or person that has been the most influenced to you? Oh, that's so hard. I um, I wouldn't like to narrow it down to one because that's so hard. But if I had to, um, I guess it would be Anita Roderick. Uh, many years ago, I read her book, The Body Shop Book. Uh, and that was kind of long before it was trendy. She was she was uh, way ahead of her time. I know she used to, you know, it was kind of in the in the eighties and nineties where we were obscene about our, you know, being able to buy big cars and do whatever we wanted and 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 not give a crap about the world. <laughs> and you know, she talked about you know people catching the train and even her even her top executives. She she said no, you catch the train and they had cars pulled and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, she, I think, would be, she, unfortunately, she died in, in uh, 2007, and if she hadn't, she'd be 79 to, um, right now, so, you know, she was way, way, way ahead of her time. Definitely but a pioneer. Yeah, definitely, um, but I mean, there's been other, I, when I had Wash Bar, I read lots and lots of uh, business books, and, um, you know, one of the things that, um, that one of the things that I've learned is so for instance I probably wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for reading Richard Branson's book so Richard Branson said never say no so if you get an opportunity to speak or to talk about what you're passionate about or any of that never say no say mm -hmm. yes and then figure out how you're going to do it so you know that's that's always kind of stuck in my head you know people say learn to say no I always say learn to say yes <laughs> He's influenced yeah. me. His book, Screw It, Just Do It, um, has influenced me on many levels. And it's also been uh, a reflection of the title from, of my book, um, Life's a Load of Balls, that I'm still writing, but I promise to finish it. Um, yeah. so it's just that the nature of um, give anything a go. 
you know yeah absolutely absolutely and I think that you know um you know my mum's very much like that she she doesn't say oh I'm 80 therefore I've got to slow down she says I'm 80 and I'm you know I'm going to get out there and do whatever I can I'm going to have fun and I'm going to do I'm going to meet new people and have new experiences it's um you know it's about let's get out there let's make the best of it I mean you know it's it's a great place to be and one of the other books that um, I really did um, get a lot out of was hashtag girl boss. Um, so, oh, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's about that, uh, especially in terms of business, it's about that online selling and getting your messaging right and, and um, you know, managing the kinds of images that you use, et cetera, because that's kind of your brand. And that's very much the kind of thing that I love. I do a lot of business mentoring now. And, um, you know, I really like to tell people, you know, be, just just love your brand and, and massage it and, 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 and do the most you can with it because that in the end is kind of what people see. Yeah. There's also about being authentic. I think that's the biggie. Yes. Um, and yes. being the expert in your field. And, um, and I find it by the very nature of the work that I do in mentoring, people don't actually realise the depth of their own value. And so mm. because we are conditioned to um, dumb down uh, yeah. our greatness, so to speak. And so it's encouraging people to say, you know, you've got unique skills and different you know we've all got different personalities there are different mentors and things out there and to some people I'm not the right fit but I'm not going to take that personally it's it's about being on the same vibration which takes me to my next quick quick not so quick fire question oh oh, (laughs) oh, can I just say one one last thing the only other thing I wanted to say was um you asked for a person or or a book yeah um I have always thought that Jean Batten was incredible. I have sat in, um, in, in, in boardroom meetings as the only woman in the room and been ignored wow. and um, struggled immensely to, to be heard to the point where, you know, Pete, my husband, will be sitting next to me. He'll be asked the question and he'll turn to me and say, Jules is the best person to answer that but nobody asked me. And I think about what Jean Batten had. She achieved so much in such a male-dominated time and um, such a male-dominated industry and in such a time of, you know, misogyny. So, yeah, sorry. No, that's cool. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Great to be inspired. So when I was talking about, you know, um, we connect with people on the same vibe and hence the fact that we're still connected to one another. So what kind of music energizes you? I like, if, if I'm wanting to, if I'm thinking about energizing, I, I love kind of um, pop music, pop music that's um, stood the test of time, like stuff that you just want to, you know, you start to move, move to because it's too hard to stay still. You know, I think about I think about you know like Aretha Franklin and that kind of stuff it's just it's just too hard to stay still you just want to you just start moving whether it's your feet or your shoulders or you know even thinking about I'm starting to move so yeah that's kind of what energizes me awesome awesome fantastic and so my final question to you is um what one thing in the world would you change and why oh that is super duper 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 hard but I think in the context of what we're talking about in terms of waste, et cetera, it would be the commoditized, commoditized oh, I can't even say the word, commoditization of plastic. 
I think plastic is an amazing um, invention, incredible invention, but it should only have been used for some things. Uh, to create uh, plastic bottles that you put water into is obscene. Mm. Uh, to have plastic bags, you know, when I was a kid, my mum used to wash plastic bags and reuse them. And, you know, to have all this plastic around us, uh, you know, we're very mindful about what we buy, but we end up with an incredible amount of soft plastic because it appears that um, in, over the years, um, we've, we've had to wrap everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we never used to have to wrap everything, but now everything gets wrapped in plastic. And I think so if we could change anything, it would just be to use that incredible product, plastic, but only use it for those things which it really, really is useful for, but take it away from that um, commoditization. Mm, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, it's, um, I don't think I've used cling film now for about four years. You use the beeswax wraps or a plate on top of something. And it is, it is phenomenal how much you use it. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for all your amazing advice and for your backstory. Um, and I'll put all the information and all the books and um, everything that you brought up in in the um, information under the under the podcast, so people can make reference to it. Because um, I, uh, the name Jean Batten rang a bell with me, but I can't actually put my finger on it. So it's um, that's inspired me apart from anything else. So yeah, thanks so much for your time, and I'll catch you later, Jules. Take care. Bye. And you. Bye. I'll be continuing the theme of a circular economy with next week's guest, Teresa Atkins, when we'll talk about the life cycle and process of creating products for the skin. So until then, dig deep, open your mind to a world of possibilities, live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential.